2: From KQBD in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, how close is Congress to banning TikTok? Senator Josh Hawley yesterday tried to force a vote on a bill banning the video sharing app before he was blocked by a fellow Republican senator. A week ago, TikTok CEO Sho Chu was grilled by both Republicans and Democrats at a hearing about the company's ties to the Chinese government. Still, banning a platform that 150 million Americans use and in some cases have built their livelihoods on is no small matter, and it's unclear how the US would go about doing it anyway. So this hour, we look at the different proposals for dealing with TikTok and hear from you. Do you think a ban on TikTok is justified? Join us after this news. Welcome to Forum, I'm Mina Kim. TikTok fans are defending the popular video-sharing app against efforts to ban it. New York Times Sapna Maheshwari writes, The latest viral trend on TikTok is defending TikTok, with hundreds of videos saying freedom of speech is under attack, or that the U.S. should not ban the app over national security concerns, or questioning why American social media apps are not facing similar scrutiny. TikTok is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance. The reaction shows how unpopular it could be to take the platform away from 150 million American users. And the fact that the attempt to crack down on it has dragged on for months despite bipartisan support also shows how complicated it is. But Congress is moving closer, and this hour we take a deeper look at the proposals being put forward to address concerns over TikTok. And joining me is the New York Times Sapna Maheshwari. Thanks so much for being with us.
3: Thanks a lot
2: for having me. Also with us is Timothy Edgar, Senior Fellow in International and Public Affairs and Professor of the Practice of Computer Science at Brown University. Welcome, Timothy Edgar.
4: Great to be here.
2: So Sapna, I want to start with you because I remember we did a segment on Forum two years ago looking at how TikTok's popularity was booming during the pandemic. Why do we love this app so much?
3: Oh, wow. Um, it has come a long way since then. Of course, um, in 2020, TikTok blew up when everyone was stuck at home, and it provided this much-needed source of release and entertainment. And it would only continue to grow and, and really become a culture maker. Um, last week, the company disclosed that it was up to 150 million American users.
2: And it has this really amazing algorithm that just keeps you on the app, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, The algorithm is the secret sauce for TikTok. And really, um, as soon as you open this app, it starts feeding you videos and it pays attention to how long you watch, the kind of content it is, you know, when you swipe, when you comment, when you heart it, you know, what you share with others. And before long it it really gets this incredible sense of what you find entertaining or, or what you find interesting. And that for you feed as it's known is notoriously addictive, you can talk to lots of people who will tell you that they they really just have to, you know, have it pried out of their hands.
2: But as you write, Sapna, with US China relations strained and TikTok's parent company being a Chinese company, ByteDance... Dance. Lawmakers are accusing it of things like allowing the Chinese government to access Americans' data and being a national security threat. What is the tenor of some of their concerns?
3: Yeah, so I think the concerns from U.S. lawmakers fall into two camps. And one of the big ones is U.S. user data, specifically sensitive data. So that would include things like location information. And the concern here is that because TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese company, uh, the concern is that ultimately ByteDance would have to answer to the Chinese government. And perhaps Beijing could say, hey, you know, we want X information, you need to give it to us. And this goes back to certain laws in China, which essentially say that private companies are beholden to the Chinese government, particularly with things like intelligence gathering. And so this is like a big bucket of concerns that lawmakers have repeatedly brought up. The other bucket is really around misinformation and content. And this is the idea that China, again, through its influence over ByteDance, could potentially through TikTok either spread misinformation or suppress um, information that would be
2: favorable for china well a week ago the ceo of TikTok, Shou chu who is from singapore uh, he appeared before the house committee on energy and commerce and tried to basically assuade some of the fears address some of the concerns let's hear a little bit from it i want to play a cut from congress member anna eshu
4: the thing to think about is what it's done for small businesses uh, the amount of revenue it's actually bringing back into the system for all of these content creators for brands, for businesses across the country, and for the profiles it's raising of folks that would not have the same voice uh, on any other platform. That actually
2: wasn't Bay Area Congressmember Anna Eshoo. <laughs> that was uh, Long Beach Congressmember uh, Robert Garcia, who was actually defending the app. But let's hear what Anna Eshoo had to say at the hearing. The Chinese government has that data. Well, how,
5: how can you promise that uh, that that will move into uh, into the United States of America and be protected here.
4: Uh, Congressman, I have seen no evidence that the Chinese government has access to that data. They have never asked us. We have not provided.
5: Well, you know what? I, have I asked that, that I find that actually preposterous.
2: Uh, California Speaker Kevin McCarthy also commented on the hearing. He tweeted, it's very concerning that the CEO of TikTok can't be honest and admit what we already know to be true. China has access to TikTok user data. Timothy Edgar, I want to ask you about those concerns by lawmakers. Do you think they are justified?
4: Well, in terms of the potential for access, they are definitely justified, Uh, just because of the nature of any company that operates in any country around the world is going to have to answer to the government uh, of the country that they operate under. Uh, so in our, um, in, our, uh, you know, in our country, our companies like Meta and others have to cooperate with the NSA, uh, and TikTok has to cooperate with Chinese authorities. Um, there's really no doubt about that. And the debate between the CEO of TikTok and the members of Congress about whether TikTok's data actually had already been transferred to Chinese government or was simply available to it might be seen as, as sort of beside the point.
2: As sort of beside the point because?
4: Because the Chinese government could at any time ask for that data uh, from ByteDance. And ByteDance, under Chinese law and certainly under... Uh, the authorities that you know an authoritarian government has would be able to get it uh because ByteDance would then ask for it from TikTok. Now there have been ways that TikTok has tried to insulate itself from ByteDance, um Project Texas, which I'm sure we'll talk about then in, in this show and others, but the fundamental reality is that TikTok is a Chinese company and as as such it has to answer to Chinese law. But that's no different than any company in the uh, technological era. Every company is going to have to answer the law of uh, countries in which they operate. And uh, in this case, uh, TikTok obviously is of real concern to the U.S. Um, In the past, many U.S. companies have been of real concern to countries around the world.
5: Yeah.
2: Is it also besides the point, Timothy Edgar, that TikTok CEO Sho Chu said that he has no evidence that the Chinese government has access to data? They've never asked for it and so on. Is that also besides the point to you?
4: Uh, I mean, it's, it's difficult to say. The, the reason that I don't find those, reassure, those, those statements very reassuring um, is that uh, they, at any point, could be asked for their data. And e- even if they had been in the past, um, you know, even, again, in our own country, under our own laws, uh, there can be gag orders or secrecy orders placed on technology companies. And it wouldn't even be legal for that co- company to disclose that those requests had been made. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't really see how the CEO of TikTok can make any kind of assurances about the security of us- the user data from uh, the government of China when the company is owned by a parent company, which is a Chinese company. Um, it's just not a credible assurance to be able to make.
2: Sapna, you've also reported on how the Justice Department is investigating ByteDance for allegedly spying on journalists, which was something that I understand employees did. But can you just tell us a little bit about that? That has been something that's been pointed to as potential evidence that maybe a government actor was behind that.
3: Yeah, this has really worked against ByteDance and TikTok in terms of reassuring lawmakers and and other experts on, on their practices. But essentially what happened was last summer, um, a reporter had obtained um, a lot of leaks um, from internal meetings at TikTok. And it turns out Bike Dance uh, employees went about trying to figure out the source of the leaks. And in the course of that, um, four of their employees accessed this reporter and another reporter's TikTok data, um, including information tied to location to try and ascertain, you know, who might have been passing this information on to her. Um, Two of the ByteDance employees were actually located in China and two were in the U.S. ByteDance admitted to this after an investigation and and disclosed it um, actually to the New York Times in December um, and said that, you know, the people involved had been fired and that you know, this wouldn't be possible in the future. But the damage was done. And we learned recently that the Justice Department is looking into this as well as the, the FBI.
2: Right. We heard a little bit earlier, though, from Representative Robert Garcia of Long Beach, the Long Beach Democrat, who was saying that banning TikTok or cracking down hard on it could really affect small businesses and so on. And You know, one of the things that was clear from our segment on TikTok is that it's not just popular with Gen Z, it's all ages, and the New York Times has a TikTok account, KQED has a TikTok account. Can you just talk a little bit about how a major crackdown on the app would affect people?
3: I think that those concerns are are definitely valid. I think, you know, you could really say that for any social media network, um, out there that shutting it down will certainly um affect small businesses. And I've I've heard from creators and different businesses that say, you know, they've been able to find customers through TikTok. Um, my own local grocery store in Manhattan, Fairway, every week has new TikTok recipes on a sandwich board outside the store. So I think there are a lot of people that would certainly be affected. Um, and and you've seen a resulting you know outcry at the thought of this app going away.
2: Well, I want to invite listeners to join the conversation. Listeners, tell us, do you think a ban or crackdown on TikTok is justified? What do you use TikTok for? Would a ban affect you? You can email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at forum. Or you can call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. We're talking with Sapna Maheshwari, a business reporter for The New York Times, covering TikTok and emerging media, and Timothy Edgar, Senior Fellow in International and Public Affairs and Professor of the practice of computer science at Brown University. He's also a former national security official under President Obama and an intelligence official under President Bush. We'll have more with both of them and with you after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
2: You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Tomorrow we'll be talking about the reemergence of Tulare Lake and the impact that it's having on the region and potentially on the state. Today we're talking about how to legally or practically ban TikTok and whether or not you would support such a ban. You can tell us by emailing Forum at kqed.org, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or by calling us at 866-733-6786. We're talking with Timothy Edgar, former U.S. national security and intelligence official, now professor of computer science at Brown University, and Saptamash business reporter for The New York Times. And you, our listeners, are already weighing in with comments. This listener tweets, the U.S. has something very unique. It's called the First Amendment, and it clearly states that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Here's an idea. If you don't like TikTok, don't use it. But Congress has no right to ban it. Annie writes, Yes, TikTok should be banned. The primary concern is the predictable use of this addictive platform by the Chinese government to further manipulate and divide Americans. The use of personal information gleaned from TikTok users for nefarious purposes is a secondary concern. Considering the lack of critical thinking skills displayed by too many and by the divisiveness that Trump was too easily able to create, there is no question TikTok needs to be banned outright. Meanwhile, our schools need to teach critical thinking skills earlier and more often. Timothy Edgar, I want to ask you, I had referenced in the Billboard of our show that there was an attempt by Senator Josh Hawley to try to get a vote on basically a pretty restrictive proposal that would be the closest thing to an outright ban. It failed in part because fellow Republican um, Rand Paul blocked it from coming to a vote. But I'm wondering, what is the likelihood— that an outright ban would hold up as a constitutional matter, even if it were to pass?
4: Uh, That's a great question. I I think that, you know, politically we're getting closer and closer to a potential ban uh, just because both parties are kind of one-upping each other about trying to, to bash TikTok. If it did go into effect, it would immediately be challenged under the First Amendment um, part of the reason Congress would need to take action because the president has a lot of powers to ban uh, things for national security purposes uh, is because there's an exemption in that, that existing law for information, uh, things like magazines, newspapers, uh, back in the old Cold War days. Uh, we thought those should be exempted from those bans because of freedom of expression and the First Amendment. Um, and so Trump's ban got struck down by the court's basically because of that provision. Now, if Congress changed the law uh, and took that exemption away from TikTok, you still have the First Amendment. Um, And I kind of feel like, you know, both of those comments you read were spot on. The First Amendment gives us very strong protections against the government trying to ban an entire website like TikTok, uh, an entire app. Um, And, you know, as we've heard, not only 150 million users, but many creators rely on it. Um, So you'd have to show some very strong justifications for a ban. And I think where it would be vulnerable is uh, not in uh, saying that there are no concerns around TikTok for privacy or national security, when there obviously are, but about whether there are less restrictive alternatives than an outright ban. Um, That's what the courts are going to zero in on. They're going to say, these are some legitimate national security concerns here, but can we solve this problem without having to go all the way to an outright ban ban? Um, And that's where I I think a ban might be really vulnerable in the courts. Hmm.
2: Well, let me go to caller Helena in Fremont. Hi, Helena, you're on.
6: Hi, thank you for having me here. So um, I'm glad we have this topic today. So one thing I want to point out is that I want to make sure all the voice representing the user can be heard. So one thing I want to uh, particularly say that uh, my daughter is 15 years old. She is one of the 150 million users. And actually, she did some research, and she interviewed lots of peers. Mm, At this moment, none of the teens agree to buy TikTok. Hmm. I feel that even that they are a big portion of the user, we should definitely give them a chance to raise their voice. I think two particular reasons they mentioned that, number one, you know, from the parents' perspective, from the educator perspective, if you want to take something away from the young teens, right, then you need to give them an option. If you cannot do what you are doing, what are you passionate about on this platform, then what other option you give to them? I think that's very important. And this is also a way to show teens that, you know, we are not just a, we respect your voice, respect your right, and mm-hmm. we're giving you the right platform to use.
2: Helena, thank you. Uh, Sabna. I, I think there is also just the practical matter of even doing this ban, an outright ban, for example. It feels like it would be such a difficult thing to do technologically, given the fact that I think you reported that there are people basically posting on TikTok on ways to get around it if it is banned. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you you already have this category of videos on TikTok of people explaining, you know, if the app gets banned, like, here's what to do, here's how we can still use it. And we also saw sort of a miniature version of this. Um, I wrote a story a couple months ago about uh, a ban of TikTok at Auburn University, um, you know, full of teenagers and and young 20-somethings. And essentially, they blocked TikTok from being used on the campus Wi-Fi, but it had virtually no effect because students would access TikTok by just using their cellular data. So that was a kind of interesting example of, you know, how a ban might work.
2: Timothy Edgar, as a computer science professor, I'm really curious, as a practical matter, could an outright ban be enforced? It can't be easy.
4: Well, I think it could work more easily than some people might think. Um, You're never gonna be able to ban a determined user from trying to get to TikTok. They can use VPNs. That's a common practice, um, virtual private network. That's a common practice in many parts of the world where certain websites or services are banned. In fact, it's often used to get to American websites uh, that are banned in China, ironically enough. Um, But a, a ban would really be directed at what we call intermediaries, at the big companies. At, at, you take it away from the App Store, uh, Apple's gonna comply with that. You take it away from uh, the, the Android uh, Play Store, uh, Google and other companies will comply with that. Um, you could even seize domain names. Uh, the government does that routinely when there's illegal content. They go to the registry, which looks at when you put in a website in your browser, it translates it into the numbers, uh, the IP addresses that are associated with that website. The registry can be seized by the US government. So you'd put in TikTok and up a page would come up that says this website has been seized by the US government. Um, So there are many, many ways in which a very large percentage of TikTok's users would find it much more difficult to use the app uh, or access the site And I think the majority of them would just decide to move on to some other video-sharing app, Mm. and it would really devastate TikTok's U.S. business. So there might be a a small remnant of determined TikTok users that use ways to circumvent a ban, um, but it's going to have a major, major impact on TikTok and on all the users and creators uh, that depend on it if a ban went into effect.
2: Well, Sapna, Timothy Edgar was saying earlier that maybe there's, something less extreme than a a ban that could be feasible. And I know that the Restrict Act has been proposed by Senators Mark Warren, Democrat Mark Warren and, and Republican John Thune. First, could you just describe a little bit of what that would do?
3: Yeah, so the Restrict Act, um, which, you know, still has to go th- through the whole process um, is really favored by both parties right now. And essentially it would give new powers to the commerce department to um, do a lot of things with um, TikTok or other apps from foreign adversaries um, up to and including a ban. So one idea that's come up a lot is a potential sale of TikTok. you may recall that this came up in 2020 when um former President Trump tried to ban TikTok. Um there's a lot of talk right now around, you know, whether um a sale of TikTok could be forced perhaps to American companies or some sp- sort of spin-off or IPO. Um but it it's all it's all very speculative right now and you know perhaps Timothy would agree but there really isn't a blueprint for how this could all unfold. We've never really seen calls to to ban a you know consumer app that has a huge amount of American users um or or we don't really know we know what a sale could look like either.
2: Yes, and my understanding is that uh the Chinese government has said it would oppose a sale, so that could be a pretty significant roadblock uh to that route. Uh, Timothy Edgar, I do want to get your thoughts on this restrict act and whether you see it as a viable approach. Sapna was saying that it wouldn't necessarily single out TikTok, but would be something that could apply more broadly to countries that the U.S. deems as foreign adversaries and maybe the sort of less binary way to go on this issue.
4: Well, I think the basic issue with the Restrict Act is that it's still an act that would permit the banning of this website. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've discussed the constitutional problems that that entails. And there's a broader problem here as well, which is that the U.S. for many decades has stood very strongly for the idea of Internet freedom um, against foreign countries that have tried to restrict uh, websites like Facebook and Twitter and Google and other American websites, but others around the world as well. And for us to essentially erect our own great firewall uh, and say, no, we can't have a consumer app because it's in China or it's in a country uh, that we don't like, I think sends a very bad signal on the, that sort of global battle for internet freedom. Um, and so what I would favor is. Uh, to use the existing law, uh, the existing uh, CFIUS process as the Mm -hmm. Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. Um, They can look at TikTok's data practices, uh, things like Project Texas, where TikTok is trying to onshore U.S. data, trying to put in place um, a board that would provide some more meaningful assurances about data privacy, um, and, and use those kinds of powers without going all the way towards a total ban that would really infringe on Americans free expression rights. Um, so that would be my preferred policy outcome. If, if the Restrict Act passes, uh, then of course, you know, we're in a different world where uh, we have these stronger powers. But again, uh, you would still have to make sure that whatever the government chooses to do, whether that's some kind of stricter control, or a ban would actually stand up in a US court challenge.
2: We have a listener who's sort of echoing some of the things that you said. This listener writes, keep in mind that Facebook is banned in China and has been for many years for the exact reasons you are discussing. The Chinese government wants to control the flow of information and have the ability to push their own messages. Um, I do want to get into uh, some of the policy level, something outside of the legislative level with regard to how to deal with TikTok in just a moment. But I do want to just ask you a little bit more about if you could contextualize just how I think you put it as uncharted territory. We are as a U.S. government in terms of totally banning another country's app or technology in the U.S.,
4: Yes, no, I I think what we're facing right now is a real inflection point with the internet. For decades, the U.S. has dominated the internet. We've dominated it technologically. We've dominated even in terms of the infrastructure, most of the data and the cables run through North America and California. Um, And the companies uh, that serve the world uh, have been American companies. And other countries around the world have had real issues with this around privacy, around security. Uh, The Snowden disclosures back um, in 2013, 2014, uh, illustrated this for many people, that, wait, we have kind of an advantage here. Our intelligence services have access to the world's data, uh, and we assured the rest of the world that it was safe because we have a foreign intelligence surveillance court, we have a system of checks and balances, uh, we put in place some transparency reforms. Um, Some people found those reassuring, many people did not. Um, but now we're in a world where we're going to have many, many more other countries becoming big players here. China's one of them. Uh, there'll be other countries as well. And we'll see that our data is being uh, controlled by a con- country outside of our control. And, and I think my basic point w- has been whatever rules we come up with, whatever safeguards we are comfortable with, we have to be comfortable with those being the rules of the road for the rest of the world, too. Um, if someone in a foreign country says, I want to restrict how Facebook data is being handled because this is our data and it's being uh handled by uh a facebook it's American company it's subject to the American government um would we be comfortable with the restrictions that they were imposing? Would we think those are fair uh we can deal with these um or not and if the answer is no, then I think we're in 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 a real uh, situation where Uh, The rest of the world is going to look at us and say, you know, the Americans say, do as I say, not as I do. Um, And that's not a good place for us to be advocates for the kind of values that we've really championed. uh, Internet freedom, interoperability um, and the innovation that the Internet represents. Um, So so that's why I think that we have to proceed carefully here and why just a, a slogan like ban TikTok fits on a bumper sticker. Uh, but it doesn't really address uh, in the long run the privacy and security challenges of what we might call a a multipolar world uh, when it comes to the internet and cybersecurity. Yeah.
2: Let me go to caller Maggie in Oakland. Hi, Maggie. You're on.
7: Hi, Hi, Amina. Um, I would like to make two points about the concern for a TikTok ban. And the first is a personal point, and that is that uh, before the pandemic, I was in the massage therapy and fitness uh, fields, and I still am. And I actually was, you know, unable to do my work for a really long time. No other option for income, and I found TikTok as a way to promote like digital products that I could offer, and I still do that now. And I, um, I've, I've, it would be a really unfortunate thing to have something taken away from me and 5 million other small business owners that have found a way to use the app in a way that, you know, we were just crawling out of the pandemic really. And we have this now and it's important for us to be able to keep it. So that's the first point is that um, on a personal level, you know, I'm in my late thirties and I use TikTok as a creator and as a consumer and on the consumer level, on a more communal level, I think it's a concern to ban something where people are really um, emphasize sharing ideas and we're able, are able to communicate and are able to organize through an app. And I'll tell you, being inside the app right now, it's, it's very clear to the users of TikTok that the people trying to ban it are not actually inside of it and are not actually users of it. And the conversations that are happening on TikTok right now are centered around the government trying to censor our ability to organize and communicate with each other. And I, it, would be a, um, it would be really interesting to see if that happens and how 150 million Americans, having all shared this idea now, because, you know, as we know, communication spreads through TikTok really quickly how that would look after a ban happens.
2: Mm. Well, Maggie, thanks for sharing those thoughts. And uh, Sapna, do you have a quick reaction to what Maggie is saying? And if you're witnessing the same thing, since I know you're on the app a lot to see what's going on there.
3: Yeah, I I think what Maggie is saying is definitely reflected on the app. Um, we just wrote a story about the outcry from from TikTok users around the conversation in Washington. And in the past few days, you've you've definitely seen clips of certain questions from lawmakers around sort of the basics of the Internet going viral. They're using a lot of TikTok's classic tools, um, you know, music and, and editing and reaction videos um, to, to really highlight what they found absurd in many cases about the hearing and to express their dismay around any talk around this app going away.
2: Yeah, absurd around what they view as Congress members' lack of understanding of how TikTok works. We'll have more after the break. Stay with us.
0: I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
2: You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking this hour about proposals to outlaw or crack down on TikTok, what's behind them and what a ban could look like, whether it would be legal or practical, and what it could actually accomplish. We're talking with Timothy Edgar, Senior Fellow in International and Public Affairs and Professor of the Practice of Computer Science at Brown, also a former national security official under President Obama and intelligence official under President Bush. He's also author of the book, Beyond Snowden, privacy, mass surveillance, and the struggle to reform the NSA, Saptomajhwar is with us, business reporter for the New York Times, covering TikTok and emerging media. And you, our listeners, are weighing in with questions about the different approaches to dealing with TikTok. Whether or not you think a ban or crackdown is justified of TikTok, and how it might affect you. Whether you think a ban could even work. Email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at kqedforum. You can call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. This listener writes, The U.S. has something like 150 million TikTok users, and Google, Facebook, Instagram all have tracked users for years, yet it's TikTok the government wants to ban. Just how technologically illiterate are those in Congress and in the government? calling the shots another listener writes social media has been proven to be addictive why do we allow children under the age of 18 to be on tiktok but not smoke cigarettes yes there are likely positives to tiktok but the negatives far outweigh the positives and it should absolutely be banned let me go to caller craig in berkeley hi craig you're on
8: Hi, I um, yeah, I think some perspective here on what our government tends to do in this, uh, these kind of situations and what they're doing right now is needed. And that is that this isn't about TikTok. This is a, this, this is about taking rights away from the American people in the sense it's sort of like the Patriot Act for the Internet um, uh, without a 9-11. And they're looking for a 9-11. They're trying to blow TikTok up into a 9-11. Um, and the fact is, is what the, the this is about the Restrict Act and passing the Restrict Act, which has. Gives Congress and the President and our government incredible powers to do all, take all kinds of rights away from us, and to to monitor all of our devices. How's this for? If you circumvent the ban on TikTok under the Restrict Act, you could be subject to a million-dollar fine by using a VPN. You could be subject to a million-dollar fine and up to twenty years in prison. How you like that? This is about. This is literally about extending government powers. Taking away the American people's ability to communicate with each other, and, and particularly on political things that you know jump up very quickly and spread very quickly, and need to be talked about fast, like this issue right now. Um, I think it's just really telling that they're not trying to pass laws that say it's illegal. The algorithms mm. that, 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 that psychologically damage our children and our and our people are we're banning those. And we're, ban- we're banning the things that um, the predatory information data, the data gathering that they're doing, because they know if they if they actually were representing the American people's interest, that's what they would be doing. But then they would have to start investigating Facebook and Google and everybody and saying hey, you yeah. either have to stop these practices because they're now illegal or you ha- we're going to shut you down.
2: That's- well, uh, Craig, sorry to interrupt you there, but it, I, I understand and get the sense of, what you're saying and what you're feeling. The one thing I do want to confirm, though, Sapna, is is Craig right about the punitive aspect uh, in the Restrict Act? Because I thought I saw a spokesperson for Senator Mark Warner saying uh, that the bill's criminal pen- penalties, um, the idea that it includes a fine up to a million dollars and or imprisonment of up to 20 years, would not apply to individual users who would use a VPN to use the app.
3: Um. That is also my understanding, um, even though I do understand um, the the concerns around the the act.
2: Well, Timothy, Edgar, you talked about how you favor the process involving the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. Can you talk a little bit about that and of course if you have any light to shed on on the penalties associated with sure. the district act please feel free to do that as well but but curious why you also well favored... i was just
4: i was just looking at the penalties provision right now and i was wondering uh, who's right about that um, i think this is one of the reasons why it's always a good idea to slow down and read the legislation carefully uh, the caller mentioned the patriot act uh, before i was in the government i was actually at the aclu uh, doing privacy and civil liberties advocacy in those a few years after the Patriot Act. And that was one of the great lessons we learned was don't pass huge pieces of legislation uh, without sitting down carefully and looking at them. Uh, There are criminal penalties of up to a million dollars in the Restrict Act. Exactly how they apply to exactly what kind of violations I think would require a lot more uh, thinking about and looking at the technical language there. Um, But as far as the current process, the process involving CFIUS, um, you know, the point is that when uh, foreign companies are involved in the U.S. economy um, and when foreign investors are, uh, you know, owning certain kinds of critical industries, we do have a process for reviewing that uh, for national security concerns. Usually we're looking at things like Uh, the defense industrial base or federal contractors um, critical industries and when there are certain kinds of investments uh, we may not allow them at all or we may put in place uh, all sorts of safeguards and protections an American board that's insulated and independent things like that Um, and that's a process that I understand is ongoing with TikTok Uh, it seems to me that it's an interesting idea uh, to apply that to a social media company, um, and it certainly makes sense to me, for example, uh, to ban it from government devices. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but when you're talking about ordinary users, um, like the massage therapist we heard from, uh, it just seems to me like it's a real sledgehammer to go and say, we're gonna ban this app because you know the Chinese government might at some point in the future decide to ask TikTok for information on individuals. Um, I'm not happy that they can do that. I think that's a very bad thing. I think it's a serious risk, um, you know, that people need to be aware of. Uh, but it doesn't seem to me that given the the major impact on freedom of expression, um, that an outright ban is the way to address that risk.
2: Yes. You touched on already some of the ways that uh, the, CFIUS process could allow for a separate independent board, that it could bring servers and data infrastructure for TikTok uh, into the U.S., in Texas, and set up all these different oversight mechanisms. I, I guess what I'm curious about is if that would be enough in your eyes to avert any of the threats of uh, the Chinese government yeah. accessing U.S. data or putting misinformation on the app?
4: Well, I think it mitigates those. It certainly doesn't eliminate it. Uh, I already talked, you know, at the beginning of the hour about how, you know, if TikTok is owned by ByteDance, ByteDance has to do what the Chinese government tells them, especially on issues of national security. And in a way, that's not that different from a lot of countries around the world, including our own, uh, but I don't want to minimize that. We have much greater checks and balances uh, than an authoritarian country would, and that's important. Um, what these kinds of restrictions would do uh, would be, first of all, mitigate the problem of mass surveillance. Um, it is, there is a difference between TikTok just shipping all of its user data to the Chinese intelligence services and uh, TikTok you know, having to respond to a particular individual request. I mean, those are different things um, and if we have the right technological controls in place um, so that not only do we have some legal controls some legal independence for the u.s operations but also some technological guarantees uh, you know those could i think at least mitigate the risk uh, mm-hmm. to the privacy of u.s users uh wouldn't eliminate it entirely Uh, But, you know, there's nothing that would eliminate that risk entirely, even with companies that aren't Chinese. The Chinese have an active uh, intelligence service around the world. They may use uh, insiders in other companies to try to gain access to U.S. user data, even without uh, owning the company. Uh, So we need to look at this, I think, from a, a risk management perspective, which is often the case in issues involving cybersecurity.
2: I think what I'm also hearing from you is that we need to look at this this as something that would hold up in the courts as well if it were challenged. And it sounds like you also think the CFIUS process would be stronger in that way.
4: I think absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that the courts, when they look at an infringement on the First Amendment rights of Americans, and we certainly heard some pretty serious infringement possibilities here, they ask two questions and it's the compelling interest test. The first question is, is there a compelling interest that the government has in national security or things like that? I think they might pass that uh, here, at least with those concerns we've heard about. Uh, But then the next is, is this the least restrictive way of addressing that interest? That's what's called narrow tailoring. Um, And I think that an outright ban is sort of the opposite of narrow tailoring. Uh, An outright ban is just, well, we couldn't figure out how to address this risk any other way, so we just banned it entirely. Um, so I think that a, a more surgical approach not only would be a better approach from a policy perspective and do less damage to kind of the U.S. values around Internet freedom around the world, but it would also be much more likely to stand up in courts.
2: Well, this listener writes, how would China retaliate against U.S. companies if TikTok is banned? What are your thoughts on that, Tim?
4: Um You know, that's a great question. I mean, relations haven't been so good with China already. Um, You know, certainly China bans a number of U.S. companies, uh, so maybe they would ban more U.S. companies. Um, I don't fundamentally think that would be the reason that I would make our policies. China's going to do what China's going to do. I think this debate is really much more about America and what we think the Internet should look like uh, what our values are when it comes to freedom of expression and internet freedom around the world, um, so you know China might retaliate um, but you know i i don't think that we should worry that much about what they're going to do in terms of retaliation. I think we should uh, do what we think is the right from a policy perspective from our own citizens.
2: And Sapna, Max tweets, is this about a fear of what China could do, or is there actual evidence? If so, what is it? We touched upon this, um, but just in terms of a fear of what the Chinese government could do versus actual evidence, what would you say to that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think largely this is based on the theoretical concerns of you know what's possible, what yeah. um, data could be requested or how content could be manipulated there's not um i would say it's maybe i've heard it described as more of a loaded gun versus a smoking gun um though of course you do have the instance of surveillance of the journalist which is certainly troubling um but yeah that's how i would respond to that listener
2: and again we are talking with yeah oh, go ahead tim timothy edgar
4: now I was just gonna jump in and say, I think that's an important point. Um, it's very similar to the concerns the Europeans expressed after the Snowden disclosures. Uh, yeah, there were some examples, the Angela Merkel example and others that were very embarrassing to the US, but the real concern was if you have all this data, you are able to do these things. Here with TikTok, that hasn't really happened yet, uh, but there's no, uh, there's no doubt that it could. Uh, I'd also wanna point out that in terms of surveillance of journalists, Uh, There have been examples of US tech companies that have done that. Uber is probably the most prominent um, and the FTC actually investigated them for uh, uh, misusing their platform to go after journalists that were writing stories critical of Uber back in around 2015.
2: Well, this listener writes, more than just TikTok, there are a whole host of applications and devices that are subject to security concerns. In the end-user license agreement, you are often ceding access to cameras, location, photos, Wi-Fi and contacts, so anyone who loads an app on their phone opens themselves up to surveillance. Given the power of artificial intelligence-powered searches, one can imagine how easily it would be to find the cameras, cell phones of any targeted individual. Politicians, journalists, scientists with trade secrets could all be vulnerable. Again, we're talking about attempts to crack down or ban, on t- ban TikTok and how you, our listeners, feel about it, and you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to Joel in Foster City. Hi, Joel. You're on.
8: Yeah, hi. I heard the uh, concern expressed that um, if we make rules to ban TikTok um, for the rest of the world, we're going to have to abide by the same rule. Well, you know, India already bans TikTok. Um, China bans Google, Facebook, other things, for example, already. In other words, there are no rules. So we ought to get over that concern. Uh, That's pretty much it. Thank you.
2: Timothy Edgar, what's your reaction to what Joel's saying there? Uh, my, my my response
4: is, yes, but we don't agree with that. <laughs> you know, we don't think that China should have banned Facebook and Google uh, because we think that uh, it's restricting the rights of its population in doing that. And so um, I think that the point about a norm or a rule is not that everybody follows it. The point about a norm or a rule is kind of the golden rule. do Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so whatever standard we apply to TikTok in terms of, you know, restrictions or even banning it has to be a standard that we feel comfortable is the right standard for any country around the world to apply to a foreign app that they have that has data on their citizens. And given that we in the United States uh, hold, you know, the vast majority of the, the, the uh, important apps and platforms that the world uses and relies on, it's more important than uh, than it would be for lots of lots of other countries that those rules be fair and that they uh, respect the values that we agree with. So, of course, other countries are going to do things we disagree with. The question is, what do we think the right uh, kind of behavior is? Um, and and if we set that standard, you know, is it a standard that we can defend?
2: Hmm. Well, Edward tweets, the simplest way to end TikTok is to build a better TikTok. Give a million dollars to anyone who can build a better app. If Turing could reverse engineer the Enigma machine, someone can approximate a simple video sharing platform. Uh, but Sapna, what if the person building a better TikTok is also ByteDance? <laughs> can you talk about the story that you broke about the fact that they're also putting out a new social media platform called Lemonate?
3: Yeah. So um, this is a, a scoop that my colleague and I um, had yesterday and and basically um ByteDance has another um, hot new app that they're rolling out in the U.S. It's called Lemonade, and it's kind of a mix between Instagram and Pinterest. And they've started recruiting creators in the United States for it. And they were actually sending out a bunch of the emails last week while TikTok's CEO was getting grilled by lawmakers. Um, and I think that it is a really interesting example of you know how undeterred ByteDance is with its um, ambitions in the US and and how it's perhaps looking at this situation. Um, I don't know if the if the folks at ByteDance and TikTok are convinced that they're going to be banned or that their operations will be, you know, crimped in the future. Um, but it looks like Lemon 8 will be you know formally marketed by the company in May. Um, and so keep your eyes out. I think we're going to be actually seeing quite a bit about this app.
2: Yeah. And it also just underscores the complication or the need for something, I guess, very resilient, as you say, Timothy Edgar, to be able to deal (laughs) with uh, all the technology that continues to evolve and grow. I guess just very quickly, we just have 30 seconds or so, but based on how this has played out over the many months uh, with regard to how to address TikTok, what do you think is the likely outcome of this? Which direction do you think will go?
4: Well, I guess I would think that we're moving towards a ban um, and that that ban might even happen. Uh, But I do think it'll be challenged in court. And so I don't think it would necessarily go into effect and certainly not right away. Um, You know, I think there are a lot of reasons to think again about whether a ban's the right way to handle what are very legitimate security and privacy concerns about TikTok and about many other big tech platforms as well, but certainly about TikTok.
2: Yeah. Do you think people underestimate TikTok users, underestimate uh, the risks?
4: I I do, actually, because I do think it's a little bit like like the caller mentioned, the Patriot Act. When both parties are on a roll, things can happen much more quickly in Washington than we're used to. Hmm.
2: Timothy Edgar, former U.S. national security and intelligence official. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sapna, sorry, you had something really quick you wanted to say. Ten seconds.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, We'll definitely follow along um, with, you know, what folks are saying here. wouldn't want to speculate, but would just want to note that India did ban TikTok in 2020 and it is still banned there. So an interesting one to pay attention to.
2: Sapna Maheshwari of The New York Times. Thank you, Susie Britton, for producing today's segment. Thank you, as always, listeners. This is Forum. I'm Meena Kim.
5: Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, The Generosity Foundation The Germanicos Foundation And the heising Simons Foundation
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera Set ten years after a school shooting The critically acclaimed opera Innocence Takes us into a complex emotional journey Where our understanding of innocence and guilt Is constantly upended Kaya Sarriaho's ethereal score Collapses the past into the present As a community of survivors Grapple with how to move forward